if I haven't met you, you yet, my name is Brian Steele. I'm a small group pastor here at Christ the King. That means my job is to connect people so this big church gets to feel like family, like they pay me for this. And I love it. Don't tell anybody. It's a good gig. We're, uh, we're in the book of Genesis this summer. We're saying that it's the beginning and the, of the account of God's relentless plan. And that plan has carried through thousands of years across continents. And it's alive today in this place. Uh, and today we're going to introduce Abraham in a story that began 4,000 years ago in the Middle East. But first, I need to take you to 1987 in Yosemite, California. And I had a mullet. <laughs> I know the show, Charles in Charge, okay? Forgive me, please. But in 1987, I found myself 500 feet above the valley floor of Yosemite on a sheer rock face attempting a climbing route called the Central Pillar of Frenzy. This is a picture of it. it uh, we climbed uh, just about half of that uh, in the next uh, and the next slide, this is the view when you looked across from the central pillar and you saw El Capitan over there. It was spectacular. So I'd taken this climbing class from UC Berkeley, and this climb was the culmination of everything that I learned in the classroom. So if you're a climber and you want to know, it was five pitches rated 5'9". If you're not a climber, just know five pitch 5'9 means pretty long, pretty steep. That's what that means. Uh, pioneers of climbing routes, the first people up, they get to name the routes, and they like choosing these intimidating names like Central Pillar of Frenzy. And as I'm climbing this thing, I'm like, oh, why couldn't it have been like Aunt Petunia's Sunday Stroll or something, because this was tough. <laughs> but I had about 100 feet left when something happened that rock climbers just dread. It's called sewing machine leg. And I realize there's a lot of people that don't have maybe never seen a sewing machine, but the needle is going up and down like this. Sewing machine leg meant my leg was going uncontrollably bouncing up and down like this. Anybody else have sewing machine leg before? Right? It's not fun, is it? It means that exhaustion has taken control, and you're no longer telling your leg what to do. It's 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 just going all by itself, and. And then fear started to kick in. My instructor, who'd climbed ahead of me, started yelling and telling me to keep moving, but I couldn't. I was fried, frozen, and afraid. And that's where we're going to leave me hanging there. Because <laughs> it's time to meet Abraham. And he is a man who lived life on the edge of a cliff. Abraham is known as the father of faith. The title is really well-deserved. His story in the book of Genesis, though, is about so much more than a man who just believed that God existed. He staked his entire life and trusted God with his whole life. And this, is, this God, the God of the Bible, took him places he otherwise never could go and a few places he never wanted to go. Abraham's story begins about 4,000 years ago in this thriving kingdom called Ur in what's modern-day Iraq. And isn't it ironic that the father of our faith, Jews and Christians and even Muslims, 
is an Iraqi. <laughs> I like the thought of it. God does stuff like that. Um, Ur was an old city, prosperous. It was near the height of its civilization. So it had doctors and scribes and priests and merchants and artists. Royalty. The culture was flourishing there on the banks of the Euphrates River. It's thought that at the time, Ur was the largest city in the world with about 65,000 residents. And Abraham was one of them. Archaeologists, they've unearthed luxury items that have been traded internationally from all over the region. And mansions have been discovered in Ur. Like 15 stories. So, so life seemed really good. Like just picture like the NFL team as a dynasty. Amazon relocates world headquarters. And there's a rocket donut serving bacon maple bar on every corner. Right? It's that good. Raise your hand if you've had a bacon maple bar. Shame on you if you haven't. <laughs> They're so good. But entrenched in this culture was a dark religious heritage. They worshipped these pagan gods, and the chief of the pagan gods was a Sumerian moon god named Nana, and Nana was thought to be the creator of all things and was an idol. Ur had a massive temple to the moon god this temple was this huge, sprawling religious complex. It was 100 feet tall. There's partial remains and a reconstruction in Iraq today. Here's a picture of it. And look at the teeny little people up there. It's huge. So basically picture bronze-aged Vegas. And you have Abraham's hometown, culture and upbringing. We're products of our environment in so many ways. Abraham lived up to 75 years in the shadow of the pagan temple. Easily, and probably was at different points in his life, a pagan worshiper before the God of the Bible spoke to him. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. So take out your Bible or your phone app. Take a look at your outline. We're going to see that Abraham's journey had four giant steps of faith. And they're steps of faith that are similar to every person in this room. And we face the same things at one point in our life or another. The first step of faith is listening. Is listening in faith. And we read in Genesis 12.1, now the Lord said to Abram, and, and, and Abram was his original name. God changed it to Abraham eventually. But the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I'll show you. Now often we just kind of breeze by this part. But this was really strange. This would have been very unusual. Remember, Abraham had been living a life of luxury and comfort with this rich culture, and he's 75 years under the shadow of the pagan temple. And then this new voice comes along, challenging everything that Abraham knew in his long life up to that point. So I wonder if you've had that experience. If you've been at CTK for a while, you have 
Not exactly, but when Pastor Todd got hired and he shows up on the stage in a Broncos jersey, some of us are like, what? <laughs> totally different, a little upside down from the normal culture. But, but what did Abraham do? What did he do? He listened. Abraham's faith was born through listening. He turned off the background noise long enough to listen to the voice of God and think of all of the noise that would have been around him, the market and the bustle and the paganism and the cultural pressure just pushing down. By faith, Abraham listened to a voice that was completely counter to his entire previous life. So the Apostle Paul, he writes this in Romans 10, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I wonder if this is you. Are you at that place in your life where you are ready to hear, ready to listen, ready to encounter the living God who is there? So God's voice is heard in a variety of ways. You might have heard his voice uh, even faintly through a family member, through a parent or a grandparent, through a friend. You might have sensed God's call on your life even this summer. Maybe you were on uh, an alpine trail in the mountains or you're watching the sunset over the ocean or maybe it was in that heavy, deep quiet of an old growth forest. It might even just feel like this deep, deep ache inside of you but somewhere in your soul you know you heard him you might be sitting in this room right now and you're trying to tell yourself that you didn't hear what you know you really heard do you know that Jesus is calling you today he's inviting you to journey with him and his call might be totally contrary to your whole life up to this point, but you know that you heard something. So the question is, is it time to pay attention and listen? Well, it takes us to step two, and that's trusting in faith. Abraham was trusting in faith after he listened. We pick up the account in Genesis 12 too. God says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. So as God is speaking to Abraham, he's making uh, some really specific promises, two general types of promises. First is greatness. God tells Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great name, a great family, a great land, a great nation. So what's he doing? He's making the earth great again. Oh, come on, guys. It's a joke. It's a really bad joke. It's a political reference. <laughs> I actually was told by somebody else on staff to say that. It wasn't my idea. So I'm chucking Randy under the bus for the bad joke. There he goes. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Okay. Um, <laughs> was my idea, seriously. It was a bad joke. 
He promises Abraham greatness. <laughs> and he promises him blessing. Personal blessing for Abraham. Blessing that flows out to others. And eventually worldwide blessing. Now later in the narrative, God gets even more specific about this family. He says, Abraham, kings are going to come from you. He says it twice because it's so important. Kings are going to come from you. So this isn't a regular family. This is a royal family. This is a dynasty. This is a line of kings. I need to give you, and this line of kings and this son of Abraham who will be a king, will be um, the source of worldwide blessing. And here's the spoiler alert. Jesus called the son of Abraham and Jesus is called the king of kings and right now from this royal son of Abraham worldwide blessing is going out and it's available to us right here this is the promise of God and at this stage of the journey what's his response I asked my nephew Will What's something really important that people need to understand about Abraham? And Will said this, Abraham trusted God a lot. That is profound. And it's powerful. Abraham trusted God a lot. And if you take that seriously in, in your life, it will radically change your entire life. It's a huge element of faith for all of us, just taking God at his word, even when we don't see how it could even happen. Faith is trusting and receiving what God has spoken. And I wonder if this is the next step of your journey. There could be some huge obstacles in the way, and maybe you just need to take God finally at his word. You might feel guilt and shame because of some horrible life choices. Join the, join the club. But the Bible says that you are forgiven in Christ. So we read in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And right now, do you just need to take Jesus at his word that you are forgiven when you confess. Maybe you feel alone in your life, lost, without guidance. Jesus says in the book of John, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So do you need to take Jesus at his word right now that he's with you, that he's guiding you, that he's leading you? Some people have a very difficult time receiving love and maybe it's damage done to them or damage that they've done to others or it's a combination. But many people consider themselves unlovable. Would you listen to the words of Psalm 136? Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. And maybe it's time you take God at his word when he says, I love you.
Do you need to trust God right now? Is that the step that you're at? Well, Abraham, he first listened. Secondly, he trusted. It brings us to our next step. It's moving in faith. Abraham was moving in faith. So we pick up the account in Genesis 12 and verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old, 75, when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's sons, and all their possessions they'd gathered and the people they'd acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And so on this next stage of the journey is this crucial part of faith. It's moving because faith leads to action. True faith takes you places. Abraham moved in faith. He could have stayed in Ur, right? He had the comfortable life. He could have just been at the base of the pagan temple, just slurping down those bacon maple bars. He could have done that. You know, it would have been a decent life. (laughs) But he obeyed. I asked my other nephew, Miles, Miles, what's something important that people need to know about Abraham? And he said, Abraham obeyed. God said, go, and he went. That's powerful. That truth will change your life if you live it. Faith and action, they're inseparable faith takes you places. So picture me back at Yosemite before I start the climb. I want you to see me at the base of the central pillar of frenzy. I got my harness on. I'm connected to the rope. I got my awesome Firay climbing shoes from the 80s. My mullet is rocking, right? I know I've, I've learned how to tie the knots. I got this. I can belay people. But what if I never climb? What if I stay at the base? If I don't climb, Am I a climber? What if I look like a climber, but I don't climb? Am I a a climber? No. There might be somebody here. And maybe you have some knowledge, an academic knowledge. Maybe you agree with some facts about Jesus. You might even have some Christian gear. Like, what is that? It's flip-flops. It's a coffee mug. It's maybe like your Instagram account that has precious moments calendars. Psalm 23. Ah, right. I don't know what it is, but um, <laughs> you might look like a Christian. But if you're not following Jesus as a disciple, are you a disciple? That was a big chunk of my early Christian life. I looked like a Christian on Sunday and not so much the rest of the week. James 2 says this, faith without works is dead. Faith that's inactivated is lifeless. See, this this rope... Uh, I haven't climbed since, uh, since college. It's been a long time. And so this rope has been sitting in the garage, dead, lifeless, doing nothing. I got the gear, but if I'm not putting it into practice, it doesn't mean anything. Abraham had a choice to make. 
he heard God's voice. He trusted his promises, and then he had to pack his bags. Is it time for you to step out in faith because true faith moves you? Living faith takes you places. So for for some of you, and this isn't judging at all, but for some of you, it might be a literal move. You might be a follower of Jesus and you're trusting his promises, but you're having this conflict because you're living with your girlfriend and and your love for your girlfriend is, is in conflict with your love for Jesus. And so for you, it might be actually packing up your stuff and getting a new apartment. Your next move of faith, it might just be walk next door and learn your neighbor's name. So you're turning a stranger into an acquaintance. And that requires faith. Unless, like, you're married to somebody like Katie, my wife, and then I just send her next door and she learns the people's names. (laughs) Just being real. (laughs) Just being real. By faith, your next move might be to volunteer with kids Sunday morning here at the church or with teens. Or by faith, your move is to harvest food at the CTK farm. Faith sometimes even moves you places that you don't want to go, but you know that you should. So the next recovery meeting or the coffee shop to reconcile with a family member that just boils your blood or the hospice home where your loved one is withering away. Faith takes you places you don't want to go, but know that you should. So I want to know if God is wanting you to pack your bags and move. And that takes us to our final step. You see, Abraham, he listened, he trusted, he moved, but the final step of his journey took him right over the edge so he was dangling off of a cliff. And that brings us back to mullet-wearing Brian. I'm on the central pillar of frenzy. It's sewing machine leg. I'm stuck, I'm fried, I'm frozen, I can't go on. Here's a slide. It looked something like this. I was stuck. My instructor yelled down and he told me something that was kind of crazy. He said, let go of the rock and just dangle. And so I pushed out of the rock and I let a rope hold me that was that thin, about the height of a space needle. In that moment, I found a fantastic picture of what faith really is. You see, I had faith in the rope. I trusted my life to it. It was more than just believing this existed. It was more than agreeing with some statements about this rope, like it's purple and pink and blue. And it's more than just agreeing. It's more than believing it existed. I staked my life on it. I trusted it. I couldn't scientifically explain how the rope works or the manufacturing process. I put my faith in it. And I can't scientifically prove God's existence, but I absolutely trust his reliability. I stake my life on Jesus. 
It's more than believing he exists. It's more than agreeing with some statements about who he is. See, I trusted the rope to carry me to a place I'd never go. I would never climb Central Pillar of Frenzy without this. But connected to it, I could do something that I couldn't otherwise do. The rope also held me in a place I didn't want to be. That's the picture of faith. The rope held me as I dangled when the world fell away from beneath me. And when we put our faith in Christ, sometimes we just need Jesus to hold us when the world falls away beneath us. So when Abraham left Ur, his life was not suddenly peachy because he was acting in faith. In fact, he faced really serious trials and doubt and fear and the consequences of his sometimes horrible failure. God had promised Abraham, remember the promises, he promised Abraham first this great family. Abraham and Sarah were in their 90s and still without a child. Now, I'm a geologist my former life. I'm not a biologist, but I kind of think if you're in your 90s and you're trying to have a kid, that's a problem, right? <laughs> I could be wrong, but that's a problem. 24 years passed from when God said you'll have a child. That's 300 monthly cycles of disappointment for Sarah. 300. Finally, at age 100, the promised child, Isaac, is born to Abraham and Sarah. Yay, but then years later, God tells Abraham to sacrifice Isaac on Mount Moriah. And could you picture Abraham climbing Mount Moriah with his son, his beloved son? And that was far more difficult climb than Central Pillar of Frenzy. Just don't you think that he must have felt fried and frozen and afraid? And like the world had fallen away beneath him. God ultimately spared Isaac, the son of Abraham. But 2,000 years ago, there was another son of Abraham, Jesus, that wasn't spared near Mount Moriah. This was a huge trial. Abraham must have felt like he was dangling God also promised, if you remember, Abraham's people this great land to live in. And Abraham was shown the land, but he wasn't allowed to settle in it. So he was an alien and a tent dweller for the rest of his life. And as he slept in his tent, he must have thought about the mansions in Ur. And they were, they were always traveling around. They couldn't settle. So on a couple occasions, he built like this little small altar and as he worshipped the true and living God on this tiny altar, don't you think he was remembering the massive temple to the pagan god back in Ur? And he must have felt like he was dangling. God had promised personal blessing and worldwide blessing to Abraham. And he, he did get some of that, but he also lived through horrible family disputes 
warfare, barrenness, marital strife, personal sin. So he experienced terrible chaos and deep pain after having sex with the slave to try to solve his problem independently with God, or independently from God. And I'm going to let Grant talk about that one. I'm not touching it. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. <laughs> not long. Abraham dangled. He had the world fall away from beneath him. There were times in my life where the world fell away from beneath my feet and I was just hanging from a thread in a divorce, being deprogrammed from a cult. When Katie got a brain tumor, my wife, my dad's cancer diagnosis, I wonder if that's you. Are you dangling right now? Because when you dangle, there's only one thing. It's time to allow God to hold you. So I'm connected to that rope. I'm resting. I'm letting it hold me so I can finish the climb. And sometimes you just need to allow Jesus to hold you for a while so you can rest and then you go on. Hebrews says this, the book of Hebrews. It says, Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. Isn't it reassuring that the same Jesus who holds everything together is the one that holds you right now as you dangle? You can trust him. Abraham didn't see hardly any of the promises ultimately fulfilled. Abraham died dangling, but he reached the end of his journey with hope and faith in the God who holds him. So we're concluding. This whole journey of faith, following God from beginning to end, is by faith. The whole journey is by faith. And I want you to think right now, where are you in this story? So in faith, first of all, do you need to finally listen to God? Is today the day you turn off the noise, sit down the screen, and in quiet pay attention to the God who speaks? Is that you? Or are you the person who, you just need to trust what God has spoken. Take him at his word. It's a time to have confidence that the God who's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and all-loving can simply be taken at his word. Is that you? Or are you the person you need to move? It's time to pack your bags. It's time to put into action so that your life is reflecting what you profess with your mouth. Is it time to start climbing? You look like a disciple. Is it time to start living like a disciple of Jesus? Or are you in the place right now where the world has fallen away from beneath you and you're dangling and you just need Jesus to hold you for a little while so you can rest? 
Would you stand with me, please? We're going to close in prayer. And I'm going to ask, if you found yourself in one place or another, or maybe even multiple places, if you feel like it's time to listen or time to trust or time to move or just time to be held, raise your hand as we close in prayer because you're reaching out to the God who is there. So close with me in prayer and raise your hand if you find yourself in this story. Dear Father, I thank you that you are the God who speaks. You are the God who's so trustworthy Lord, you are the God who calls and asks us to move. You're the God who holds people who are dangling. Lord, your promise was that through a son of Abraham who'd be king, would have worldwide blessing, and I pray that blessing on the people in this room right now May they know you. May they love you. Would you give them strength and courage for one more step? One more step. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.